Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest, Mr. Sam Friley. How are you doing, Sam? Doing great. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. You are the founder, the CEO, the chief cook and bottle washer for Buttermilk Fine Waffles. So let's jump in the quick elevator. How many of the floors you need is up to you. What's Buttermilk Fine Waffles all about? Uh, and uh, then we'll unpack this cool, uh, what I think is a pretty cool Calgary small business story. Yeah, absolutely. So Buttermilk Fine Waffles started in 2015 as a restaurant. So the restaurant was obviously focused on serving waffles, sweet, savory, alongside fresh squeezed orange juice, bacon. And um, we got off to a roaring start in 2015. And um, throughout the course of four years, we went through a lot of challenges from you know, road closure. We had a, a major water main replaced on 17th Avenue in downtown Calgary. So that pretty much um, choked off traffic and, and pedestrian traffic for about 18 months. You, you, had, a, you had a backhoe. Some, you had a backhoe kind of parked out front of your place for a considerable period of time, if I remember correctly. <laughs> there were times on a Saturday morning I'd show up and it'd be fent- my restaurant would be fenced off and I would have to scream and on my feet until some city construction workers would uh, create a plank way to walk into the front of the restaurant, like a gangway. So, yeah, it, we also went through about four, three or four years of economic uh, difficulties, which lots of people know about. So, just it, it a, 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 a quick, a quick, a quick question. I'm interrupting the elevator ride, but uh, please, I'm poking at this as well. The city gave you a break on your on your property taxes when they were fencing off your building and not allowing the public to get access to it. Um, they doubled it that year. So oh, it went from, that's right. Uh, that's right. That's what happened. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I went from paying twelve to 24,000 a year in property tax on about a what, 1800 square foot, um, restaurant. So my takeaway from that is that maybe, um, being a small business owner, being an entrepreneur can look very shiny in the brochure, but what I'm hearing is that it was, uh, it had its twist and turns. <laughs> Brick and mortar has a lot of liability. That's for sure. A lot of, there's a lot of risk associated with 
having a physical location um, that your revenue is tied to in the city. Well, and I, I certainly say now, uh, for seven years later, and even the past two years, as we've all just been through the uh, current you know crisis that we've been through, uh, this the thought of building a brand virtually and the thought of being able to, and I don't want to say virtually because you, I, we're taking for granted how easy, much easier it is, I say easy with, with an asterisk, to build a business now without having that brick and mortar location. Just touching on, when you built this business and you had this idea, how much did you feel at the time that brick and mortar was actually going to be part of the experience and the brand and what would actually connect people to your waffles? A hundred percent. Like I'm a very tactile person. I'm the type of person that goes into a hotel room and moves the furniture around until it feels right. Um, so I wanted to create a, uh, an environment like it was going to be this kind of ski chalet meets Sunday morning at grandma's eating waffles. And and I'm proud of what we built there. We, we renoed, we used an amazing local uh, interior designer. And we, and you know, I think that our customers, I mean, at the end of the day, we filled it up every Saturday, Sunday morning for four years with people that were passionate about the, the vibe and the food. Um, having said that, you know, Monday to Friday, it was, it was a difficult, it was another thing. It was a, it was a challenge Monday to Friday, it being such a, uh, hyper-focused concept. Yeah, and being in that we're only in a population of a city that's only so big, you know, I always joke, you, you build a craft dinner restaurant in New York City, if you're point one of your popu- population that loves your restaurant, there's enough of that point, that 1%, let's just call it that, where when you've got a million people or 1.2, whatever we have now or over the past kind of seven years, you're right, it's... It, it, it's so specialized for a, for a city that maybe just doesn't have just the pure mass of, of numbers. Uh, talk to me about the, the four years and the decision to eventually close close down the store. And obviously, you're still around and you're still doing a thing now, which we'll get to in a second. But talk to me a little bit about the realities of being a small business owner. And I've been, I was in your space multiple pl- times. You had an amazing product. You had a beautiful environment. You created that feeling, that <laughs> ski chalet at grandma's house on, on, on Sunday morning. And then all of a sudden you had to make a, what I'm assuming is a very tough decision to, you know, change the business model. I don't, I'll, re- I'll re- be reluctant to use the word pivot, but you were forced and you changed the business model. Talk a little bit about that decision and kind of what that journey was like for you. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I tried everything to, to make the, the numbers work because obviously it was a business. I needed to be able to live off of it. And I think we got better as the years went by, even though our revenue was under a lot of pressure from economy, from construction. But ultimately, you know, having, you know, tried a lot of different things, including opening up in the evening, serving alcohol. And by the end of it, even, you know, chicken and waffles became one of our top selling items. Nice. But it was just clear that, like, by the time you paid rent, property tax, salaries, wages, um, food costs, and uh everything else like it just it wasn't gonna work and i wasn't gonna be able to climb out of the hole that i was in and and make a living and and it just at that point it became really clear to me that um you know the never ever ever give up is great but sometimes you need to know when to give up too right and um it's not like you're giving up on life or the dream of being an entrepreneur but sometimes you got to give up on a model 
Mm. Was that a decision oh, you came? I, I did. Was that decision something you came to on your own? And of course, ultimately, you had to make that decision. But always curious, and it can be such a lone wolf type activity being an entrepreneur. People around you, um, advisors, friends, <laughs> advisors is sometimes a good name for friends or family that are there to support you. Just curious of that journey, like how much, you know, ultimately was on you and your name was on the dotted line. But I'm, I'm assuming, and how much was that support network a factor for you at that time? Um. I would say I probably listen to my friends and family a lot more now than I did um, in my first four years as a small business owner. I think uh, I survived off the own, you know, the vapor trails of my own kind of ego and bluster and pushing through because you know that's what you do when you're so afraid to fail. You, you arm, you put on this armor. Um, and so I don't know if I listened a lot. I think I just exhausted myself. I had nothing left to give it and I had no more ideas. Um, and it was really something I had to, I had to come to on my own. And, um, yeah, when I made that decision and let everybody know, we actually had like kind of a one month to close the restaurant and say goodbye. And man, I can never forget the last five days we were open. We had lines down like halfway down the block and people showing so much support. And a lot of people just being like, I don't get it. Like you're busy every time I come. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But everyone came between 10 a.m. and 1.30 p.m. Saturday, Sunday. That's about seven hours. I always said if, if I had a long weekend every weekend, if I had three good days, that model would have worked. But unfortunately, two days out of seven was not going to cut it. And it was really hard to get people to come for waffles on their during their work day on Monday to Friday. So, Well, for anyone who doesn't know the story, I don't want to give away the ending, but you also created this amazing brand and you created this amazing product that, you know, not that I'm going to say for a second, it's the same, but someone can make waffles at home if they were so inclined or when they're camping or when they're traveling or doing different things. So curious, you know, I know where you've landed. I know what your business is now from that. Okay. You're in your last five days. There's lineups. You're like, Oh my God, like, where, first of all, where have you people been all the rest of the time, even though you've been here supporting me, but was there an immediate transition into this more you know, virtual friendly model or more, you know, non brick and mortar friendly, or was there a period of time when you're like, I'm just, I'm closing it down and I need to just go maybe get my sanity back and kind of recharge my batteries. Cause I'm assuming at this point you're running, you're running on empty. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like, it wasn't a clean break. You know, I closed it in November of Oh, 19 maybe. Okay. And very shortly after I got a call from a landlord who had a building on fourth street that was, three times the size of mine. It was like 4,500 square feet. And he basically said, look, if you want to do a short-term lease here, pop up, try the space out, see if you can get some other people to open up some other similar businesses in this building. You know, it's a huge space and we're in a difficult time. And I took him up on it. I, I negotiated a, a sweetheart deal on the rent um, and popped up and probably, I think, three months I managed to reopen and get all the permitting done and ran there for about a, a year. Oh, wow. And okay. while the rent was much lower, unfortunately, um, you know, say we were losing 10 grand a month on average, you know, and if I managed to save five grand on rent, but the revenue didn't really change, 
I just basically traded in a $10,000 losing a month business for a $5,000 losing a month business, which it's not a huge number in small business, but if it just goes on and on and on and you can't seem to fix the metrics, yeah. who wants to lose five grand a month? Like that means that you're losing five grand a month and finding, having to find money to live on outside of that too. So he, he, a guy can't, a man can't live on waffles alone. I, I, I think that's a proverb somewhere. I've I tried. <laughs> I, I, tried, I yeah. don't, I don't doubt you have. Um, so through that process, so the lessons are still plowing on, the learning is still happening, the batteries are still getting drained out, you're surviving on maple syrup and, and waffles, which you can actually, you know what, you can go for quite a while on that <laughs> until, but eventually I find the spring will probably get wound up pretty tight. Then you make the decision to, you make the decision to shut it down. And is this, is this time, like, this is for real? Like we're, we're breaking up, like, we're, we're moving Oh, I was up. so done. <laughs> I was so done. Like, it was like. The first time it was like this melancholy, like heart is kind of breaking slowly. The second time I was just like done. And we certainly didn't have the big rush of people because they're like, what is this? Like how many, uh, how many times are the, is the band going to break up and then go on another tour? Like you only get that kind of love once, but yep. second time it was just like, man, <laughs> even with barely any rent, yeah, this model doesn't work. You know, I mean, there's some chicken and waffle places in LA that do well with 14 million people in the area. And, 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 and frankly, there's a place in Vancouver that no near a waffle bar. I mean, I don't know his balance sheet, but you know, I, it seems to do pretty well. And, and again, and that's a much larger metropolitan area with, with uh, a lot of students and different demographic, but yeah. Yeah. D different, different, different factors. And, and, and it's, and it's hard to, it's always hard to look in at a, it's so easy to look at a business from the outside and go, Oh my God, what a great business. This must be amazing. But until you made the comment, you don't see that P and L, you don't see that balance sheet or you don't see that 12 month yeah. cash flow. You don't actually know really what, what what's going on. And you, you have no idea. No. Yeah. You literally don't have any, any, any idea. Uh, that is such a value of having. So just curious through this journey, did you have peers or people in the business community that you can compare notes with where they were like, Hey man, you're right. This isn't working. You should, you should move on. Or, Cause again, that whole, it can be a very lone wolf or very lonely experience, especially when you don't have someone to yeah. compare notes to like, am I crazy? Like, are, is this PL? Like, this is just the way my, this should be. I'm assuming that you had people in your life that played a factor there as, as well. Maybe, or, or, or maybe you're still doing the own, uh, you're doing, doing your own thing, learn, quote unquote, learning the hard way, which <laughs> for most of us, that is the way. <laughs> Yeah, it is. But um, absolutely. I mean, I'm only seven years. I'm seven years into um, my business career. And I'm only now really getting on top of the numbers. So and I can take responsibility for that. I am not a really numbers focused guy. I'm probably much more in the creative um uh, probably a little bit of magical thinking at times. But now I've, I've been able to rope in people like my brother, who's a really, really focused numbers guy, or 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 uh, my dad, and I got a new uh, accounting and and um, bookkeeping team all under one roof, and I'm paying more of attention now, and and that's obviously serving me better. That's I appreciate your honesty around that of like one, it's knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at, and two, it's filling those voids and not trying to be like I should I should you know you know I should be good at the numbers. I'm not good. I need to take responsibility, but I need to hire people that can actually make those numbers easier for me to to, to make sense of. But hey, let's let the audience in on the 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 newsflash. You are still in the waffle business. You you know for those of us, for, yeah. I can see the hat right now, and I can see that I've been to your space. Talk to us a little bit about all of a sudden the idea to to make this thing 
like more about the brand and the the product inside the pouch versus the brick and mortar and the grandma's grandma's ski cabin on a Sunday morning. So yeah, when I closed the restaurant for good, uh, I got a job selling signage, like the okay. building signage, those big letters, chunky letters you see on the front of buildings. I literally went on Indeed and found the first job I could because I didn't want to declare bankruptcy and I needed to keep paying the bank the government, you know, back taxes, GST, all this stuff. Um, and I didn't have like the ability to like spend a few months like job hunting. I literally just went and found the first job I could thinking, whatever, keep moving. Most importantly, don't go sit at home and, and think about the last five years, keep moving and you'll find a way. So I went and started selling signage. So there I was like on the side of McLeod trail, trying to, you know, walking up and down McLeod trail, in my suit trying to sell Midas a new LED sign or whatever in the middle of uh, January, not knowing, okay, where is my life going? Because <laughs> this is, you know, I, I was a, a business owner with employees uh, and now I'm selling signage on McLeod Trail wondering where this is all going. But that's when COVID hit. And like a lot of people, I got laid off. But I still had a pallet of the my proprietary pancake and waffle mix sitting in my brother's warehouse and uh, I started packaging it in 500 gram pouches and selling it. And we still, at that time, we still had 15,000 Instagram followers. We still had really good brand awareness in Calgary. We even had a lot of customers that were really confused about why we would close. Again, the assumption that we we're really successful because of our brand awareness and product and all these positive experiences people had had on the weekend. So yeah, I started selling the powder in, in bags. Um, I would sell five bags for 40 bucks out of the trunk of my car. Well, it's not literally. I mean, I wouldn't stand beside my car with a trunk full of powder, but I would deliver it out of the trunk of my car all over Calgary. And what went from being a couple hundred bucks a week started growing and I started figuring out, okay, well, let's get some better packaging, at least a better sticker and see if we can't get this into some local stores. That's where it began. And I would say from knowing the story a little bit and being kind of connected with you during that time, COVID was actually a really good thing for your business from the perspective of pancake breakfasts are now canceled and companies are finding ways to reach out and finding ways to connect, but still wanting to, you know, use products that create that same sensation. So, and again, I choose to see silver linings everywhere I can put my, put my rose colored glasses on COVID felt like it was a positive or it was certainly a lift for you. Cause I remember being at your brother's place and you're like, Hey Tyler, I got all these orders and I'm doing this thing. And you had this like assembly line with like a ramp built out of plywood. So you could like your bagging and tagging. And I think you were doing stuff for yeah. Cadillac, Cadillac Fairview at the time. Yeah, so um, my first big win would have been uh, a girl named Chelsea Smith, I believe, worked at uh, uh, North Strategic Marketing. She ended up finding me at, and selling me to Cadillac Fairview as a, as a vendor for their Stampede Breakfast, which instead of being a pancake breakfast, they were going to give away 5,000 bags of my waffle mix. And that was a huge contract for me at the time. That got me most of the way out of debt with the BDC. There was still, of course, the, all the GST owing from about three years of not paying <laughs> it. But uh, at least the BDC was taken care of. And uh, with one loan gone, I felt like I was, I was a millionaire. 
Um, so that was a huge contract. And then I thought, you know, I created a label that called for the mix and slapped it on there. I created an illustrator and it said, uh, Stampede's canceled, pancakes aren't. And I put it in a box with maple syrup and a bag of coffee from a local roaster. And companies bought up like two or 300 of these gift boxes at a time. And that was amazing. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, I was for once in the sweet spot offering these packaged products to a, to a, a market that couldn't socialize in person. With it, but a brand, you know, I, I love the lessons, to, you know, about, like you said, the value that had been built up over that time. And although it was not financially a viable business model in the format that you had chosen, like you, chosen, like you said, the model itself, but you had brand equity, you had a follower base, you had a, a, a product that, you know, you understood what was in the bag and the value of it, and you'd created a way to, to put that out there. And so you're, you're, you laid off from the sign company, things are starting to move. Did all of a sudden, was this a, was this a wake up one day and go, you know what? I think I might've found the new model or cause that's the way we like to tell it in the Hollywood version. Or was it a gradual, like, you know what? All right. I might not be crazy. This might be this, you know, I might be ready to date this business again and get back into a relationship. <laughs> was it an overnight like boom, or did it take a little bit of time for you to want to start dating the waffle business again? Well, I mean, I didn't know how, like, of course, conceptually I could, think, yeah, I'll just sell this mix and it's got great margin and it'll work. But I also knew that like, you don't just get into the grocery market business and go into the supermarket and kick, you know, uh, Aunt Jemima off the shelf or whoever and, and take your proud <laughs> place in the center. Like I knew that there was some, uh, opportunity because of COVID. I didn't know the lay of the land. And I knew there was only so many independent stores that were going to carry me and there was only so much volume I'd be able to do until I had to get the majors to, to take me seriously. So I got back with the sign company once they started bringing people back on. And so I was doing both. Um, and at that point, I said to my boss at the signage company, hey, let me just work um, pure commission. And, which was a real brave move for somebody who'd only been there six months with no book. <laughs> And he was like, oh, man, you, you're crazy. <laughs> like, that's going to be really hard. And I said, yeah, I know. But in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but I also just invoiced about 100 grand worth of stuff for Stampede. And, like, I didn't know that was going to happen. So I, <laughs> I had that confidence. And um, I spent a few more months <laughs> in the signage business. And I was making way more money selling waffle mix than I was selling signs on commission. So uh, one morning I went in to my office and um, I had this big job and the job had gone terribly wrong and I and I knew I was going to have to phone the uh, the client and just eat shit for like 20 minutes for something that I had nothing to do with, right? And I was just like, hmm, I could do that. <laughs> or I could just walk out the front door and never work for anyone else ever again. And, and I settled for... Uh, option number two option b yes and um collected my affairs and let the let the boss know i would be uh not coming back and when i drove out of there i had that very clear moment and that clear clear vision that like that would be the last time i would ever work for anyone else and uh it, it was an amazing feeling 
Congratulations. The, 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 the blessing and the curse of being unemployable. I also suffer from a similar yeah. affliction. I take it as a compliment every time it's been... I have a good friend of mine who was senior oh, yeah. HR and she's like, Tyler, you need to keep working for yourself because I believe you're unemployable. And I'm like, that might be the nicest oh, yeah, thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> I'm like the best employee for three weeks. <laughs> but then I'm like, we need to either redesign the whole system or I need to leave. <laughs> So yeah. let's just fast forward. How many stores? Uh, how many? Re- how many stores are you in right now? Where? Where? Where can we go buy your? Like, let's jump to the end. And I think we obviously the audience is is yeah. caught up to where we're Boom. headed. So, all right. So we've Boom. got a let's shot here. This. Okay, pancake and waffle so, mix. So this was, yeah, this was the original one that we developed at the restaurant, and then this is the just add water we developed called Campers Classic. So, yeah, um, you know, we started in local independent stores. And that is always the challenge, right, is the independent stores want you to stay independent, but you need to sell a couple hundred thousand units a year to to really get the thing off the ground. And and so it's always a challenge choosing your your growth. um, But we we work with a lot of the local stores in Alberta, like Sunterra, Italian Center, Blush Lane. But we also work with Calgary Co-op, and we're in a select number of Safeway Sobeys throughout the province um the grocery business works such that you know generally how your products are priced dictates where where they're going to do well Mm, okay so um yeah so they're not in every store but certainly in in areas where people are seeking out kind of best in category or or unique products you'll find them um we are uh starting to expand into british columbia and the prairies um, somebody from Loblaws actually reached out today, so that's exciting. They they have a pro, uh, they have uh, stores called uh, Loblaws City Markets that focus more again mm-hmm. on like local higher end products. So really, it comes down to making sure that you know can you continue to tell your brand story by where you're placing it. And obviously, if you go put it in um, wholesale club, it becomes harder to tell that story. I appreciate positioning, and well, that's when you get into like the the, the many hats of a small business owner: a positioning strategist, a pricing strategist, a marketing strategist. You know, you shared with me recently. You know, I asked you, hey, you know, what what do you find really work? And you said, you know, hands down, one of the best things that works is in store sampling, getting this product in front of people in a way versus spending a lot of time and energy on social media and paid media. And hey, I think all those things are great if they're appropriate. But what I took a lot from what you said is that you've certainly seen the best return on investment from just getting out there and basically inducing trial getting put it put it in your put it in your mouth taste it (laughs) absolutely i couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) well i am a marketer so hopefully i got i capped a little piece of that but i do appreciate as a business owner having to figure out what is the right quote-unquote marketing formula and that in this digital world it feels so old school but yet again this is still people eating waffles Mm -hmm. right at the end of the day (laughs) well i think we all had that fear well a lot of people in the supermarket business had that fear that everything was going online. But you gotta remember like, I think there was grocery delivery online services in the early 2000s that launched in major centers like San Francisco. It's not a new, new concept and you know, supermarkets seem to be doubling down on physical spaces and um, I think there'll always be room for for that, the market and the tactile in-person experience around eating and, and food and choosing what you wanna take home. 
Well, seeing some of those specialty of the stores that spend a little bit more effort on their decor and how they feel and the experience. And yes, you can go to the superstore. And again, not, I think they almost have their own, like, you know, you go to superstore for one type of thing because it doesn't matter and it's yeah. there, but then you go to another store for a different type of experience. And as we become Absolutely. all more and more experienced junkies, for sure. So talk to me a little bit about your, your corporate, like, What's happening with the corporate? Now you're in stores, your brand awareness is even larger. We're kind of, we're back in the office, quote unquote, for some people. We're also, Stampede's going to be on deck for this year. What's happened with the business that was really, you know, stimulated through COVID when it comes to purchasing? And are you seeing that trend that companies are still wanting to get to provide that personal experience to their employees and to their, and to their customers? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and this opportunity also to talk about, I should mention, also in the syrup business. That's a fine syrup looking bottle of maple, a maple syrup. No, I think um, I'll be candid with my audience. I'm very excited um, to have partnered with Sam over the past year. My family has been making maple syrup in Quebec for many, 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 many years. The ability since 1885, actually, my great, great, my great, great grandfather was making it. So the ability to partner with Sam to get into the business of uh, getting some of this maple syrup into the market in Alberta is something I'm really excited about. So this is a little bit self-serving, which I'm always transparent about it. I believe the world is is entitled to good maple syrup. And as Albertans, we get a little bit ripped off. The stuff that ends up on the shelves here, some of it's good, but a lot of it, I'm going to be blunt, is not good. <laughs> and as someone who grew up drinking syrup, sitting on my grandfather's knee, Quebec is where they make the good stuff. <laughs> and I'll turn it back over to you with my little sales pitch. Absolutely, yeah. So Tyler and I partnered on syrup last year. I had the distribution network built, and um, I also have a food facility where I can handle food. Tyler got the the hookup on syrup and obviously the branding. So he built the brand. It's called Fertile Creek, which is where it's made in Shattagy, Quebec. Yeah, Shattagy Valley. That it's, in, it's in a small town called Shattagy Howard. Valley. It's in the Shattagy Valley. Known for its fertile that's lands, right. its apple orchards, and its amazing maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. I mean, so much fun to learn about syrup, but also to, you know, to be a Canadian and to be in the maple syrup business just feels good. And it's a fun story to tell wherever you go. It's, uh, yeah, it, so, it's, um, it's, it's like waffles. No, no one eats waffles to have a bad time, right? No one eats maple syrup yeah. to have a bad time. It's always associated with some type of positive, often very it's much family positive thing. or cocktails or whatever you want. You use your maple syrup for whatever, yeah. whatever you want. So talk to us about the gift boxes exactly. for this year. What's going on in that, in that space? What, do you, yeah, what, what, so what have you put the, together in your magic formula? Yeah, exactly. So we, the first year we did the Stampede gift boxes with 2020 and it, it went really well. So last year I changed the name of it. I think I got a little trouble for using the Stampede name without asking. So I changed it to the Backyard Rodeo Box. Nice. And um, the Backyard Rodeo Box this year, you can go on our website and check it out. Um, it features both of our mixes, the Just Add Water and the Add Eggs and Buttermilk, as well as a bottle of Fertile Creek maple syrup and a coffee that we, I'm actually in my warehouse right now, which I share with a local roaster, 521 Roasting. And they created a special blend for the stampede called um, Dirt Circus. So, which I actually, I think is quite... Awesome. I don't. I hope everybody yeah. loves that loves that name as much as I do. Like I think that na I I love everything about that name. I think it captures it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the coffee tastes like, but it it captures everything that when I think Stampede, the dirts are. I love it. Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that name. I think they nailed it. <laughs> I think people are gonna definitely relate to it because it you know it, 
people are always a little worried to put the word dirt in their <laughs> in their product name. <laughs> associated with food, but the stampede's all about like just getting getting yeah. into it. <laughs> you know, not wearing, you know, you don't want those brand new boots at Stampede. You can tell you just got them at Lamley's. You want you want to like <laughs> literally go kick the gate a few times. Go go yeah, go throw them in a in a in a bag and roll them down the street with some rocks and, and throw them around a bit. That's so, right. So, yeah, with, with your new Wranglers and your new and your new uh, cinch cert. Uh, there's that's the extent of my um my my <laughs> that's the extent of my brand awareness in that in that sector. Um, but are you still seeing companies being interested in, in those types of, uh, products based on the fact that they are now back in the office and it isn't the, instead of a stampede breakfast, we're doing this. Is there still, are you still seeing interest out there? I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, for sure, there's going to be a lot of in-person parties this year, but we saw a lot of this stuff going to Ontario. We saw a lot of this stuff being sent from Ontario to the Calgary regional offices, um, we saw a lot of interest for these boxes from a lot of different sources. And, and a lot of times, you know, say you're like a, um, a services company that, you know, your people are spread all over the place. Maybe you don't do a party, but you still want to uh, honor the holiday of Calgary. If you're from, if you're a Calgary company or you want to celebrate Calgary, that this is, this is like Christmas, you know. Cowboy Christmas, as it's been said to me uh, ma- 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 many times. And I don't know, I think there's some fire this year in in our province and in our city around Stampede and the fact that, you know, even though it was last year, I think it was a it was a pale uh, shadow of its former self. So I think this I think this year might be a big year. So super exciting. So. Sam, I really appreciate one year honesty of just telling the story. It's always the glamorized, oh, my God, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, you're so lucky you've owned this amazing business with all this overhead and all this rent and nobody talks about that. So I really do appreciate the fact that, you know, sometimes pivoting is just, you know, fighting for your life to rebuild your business. But from the outside, and I want to be careful with this statement because maybe it's been it's been falsely said before, but it sounds like it's working. It sounds like you found a model that allows you to not only express your own unemployability, but it feels like financially that you're actually in a, in a direction that's going to work for you. And that, for everyone who's listening, in case you're keeping score, 2015 was a long time ago. And three iterations later, you've now landed on something that sounds like it's working. Is that is that a way, is that a happy ending to kind of roll this story together? I think it's, I think it is, you know, um, no matter how big you get or how much success you've had, I think every business owner has those days where you wonder if it's all a house of cards and it's going to fall. But I thought it was over. And and in fact, it had an inertia that almost kind of, I almost got swept along with the inertia I'd built. I didn't even know there was still, you know, this kind of groundswell. So in a way, uh, as hard as it is to build brand and it is brick by brick, if you if you treat it with respect and you build it with integrity, it's still made of brick. You know, you still got something there, right? So I, I, pre- I feel like uh, the sky's the limit, and it's and it. I don't know if we would have ever gotten to where we are now in grocery if we hadn't started with a brand. I think starting hmm. from like blank slate and trying to launch a product into grocery takes a lot of money, a lot of marketing money. Um, and I, I guess I just spent my marketing money on a restaurant for four years. So. <laughs> 
I, I appreciate the glass, uh, you know, the, the ability to look at the, uh, at, the, at the glass half full or, or, or in this case, uh, the, the bag of waffle mix. Buttermilkfinewaffles.com. Check it out. Check out the boxes. Fertile Creek Maple Syrup, very close to my heart. You guys have amazing waffle mix. It's delicious. And Dirt Circus. Who doesn't want to have a Dirt Circus coffee before they head down to the Stampede to, you know, spend, spend the day and some money and some adventures to, you know, uh, <laughs> ride the rides and eat the whatever the, whatever the deep fried thing is of, of the season this year. I I haven't heard yet what it's going to be, but Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for being a fantastic example of resiliency and hard work and what it actually takes to quote unquote, the difference between being an, being an entrepreneurial and then actually being an entrepreneur. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you very much, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. That's a huge honor. Uh, It was an absolute pleasure. I really, I really loved your honesty and I love a good conversation and you didn't disappoint today. So thank you, sir. Thanks, Tyler.